Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Big Ideas on the Go. I'm excited to have as our guest today, Robin Satara, who is the Chief Data Officer for Microsoft in the UK. Robin, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Maybe just to kick things off for our audience, could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you came to be in the UK as a CDO for Microsoft? Uh, and what, do you, what does that mean? Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's always nice to chat with you. So I have been with Microsoft for 23 years at this point. Uh, I originally was hired to support IE5 on Windows 3.1, if that tells you sort of how long I've been around. Uh, using Windows 3.1. <laughs> I remember NT4 being the big, oh my God, there's networking, right? So a uh, huge sort of entry into technology. Pre-Microsoft, I actually worked uh, for the U.S. Army repairing Apache helicopters, the weapons and armament systems. Interesting part is very little civilians actually have an Apache helicopter sitting in their backyard, right? So uh, how do you, <laughs> what do you do post that, right? And so yeah. got, into, got into computers, amazing opportunity to sort of come into the company uh, and, and perform in that function, did consumer support for several years, realized Microsoft was one of the few technology companies, you know, back in the, back in the nineties, uh, that really was focused on the enterprise space. How do we help enterprise customers be successful with technology? And so I uh, had the opportunity to move in uh, into the support function where I supported some of the largest automotive manufacturers in the, in the global fortune 10. Uh, and really thinking about holistically, how do you think about technology and, and platform and tool decisions, leveraging Microsoft technologies and how do you, uh, you know, mitigate and tie those things together. It was really sort of the first time that we started thinking about tying disparate systems together. Uh, and so from there, I moved into a data analyst role and really sort of uh, started to think about from a Microsoft perspective, moved to Redmond to corporate and, and took over a team of data analysts that evaluated all of our customer and partner data out of surveys, feedback, telemetry that we were getting at the time, which was pretty early telemetry and tried to then create things into, how do we change processes internally to adjust based on what customers and partners were telling us? So do we need a new, uh, you know, do we need a new licensing offer? Or do we need to think about different products? Is the relationship management that our account teams are, are managing not working well? So pretty much the entire gamut around process and procedure. So great opportunity, I think, uh, at the time where Microsoft was just starting to dig into data. But I would say uh, this was late, late Bill Gates, early sort of Steve Ballmer. So we were still sort of at the point where data was a nice to have, but it wasn't really driving our decisions, right? Our decisions were still top-down driven and we found data to support the decision <laughs> post-decision. Yeah. And, and so I think as we started to evolve uh, and come out of that, I had the opportunity to go into multiple sort of operational business functions and really start to think about how do we take data and create process? How do we take uh, take it and change procedures? How do we get people to actually start to look at the data and then make the decisions based on the data? And so that was a, it, it was a great time, I think, at Microsoft. We started to go through our cultural transformation. Satya came into office, really sort of fostered that growth mindset of how do you 
use data, make your decisions based on data, get new data based on those decisions and those sort of frameworks, uh, and constant iterate. So that, that real growth mindset, iterative uh, engineering background that he came from. From there, I, I moved uh, from you know services and sales into uh, engineering, where I spent the last two and a half years based out of Redmond uh, as essentially chief of staff or chief operations officer for Azure Data Engineering. Uh, so all of our data platform products from SQL on-prem to, to all of our sort of Azure, uh, SQL and open source, non-relational and relational databases, analytics platform uh, with Synapse, and then early views around purview and the governance platforms that, start, that, are, that we're sort of creating. And then I, I received a phone call that the Microsoft UK subsidiary was looking to create a role that was the chief data officer. Uh, no other subsidiary in the world had created such a role. And so there was a little bit of ambiguity as far as what would the role do. It's interesting because CDOs have only been around for, you know, 10 or 15 years. I think every organization is sort of defining what it means to have or be a CDO. And even background people who are CDOs. Exactly, exactly. And I would have to admit, I talked to CDOs today and they're still defining their role, right? Depending on the maturity of the company, the maturity of the, um, the organization, the platform, they can, they can be anything from technology platform to culture, to analytics, to governance, to, to anytime the CEO hears the word data, it becomes the CDO's responsibility. So specifically within Microsoft, uh, the UK subsidiary decided that is an audience that we need to figure out how to connect to. And so we are going to create a chief data officer role. And one of my primary functions is just connecting with CDOs at our customers and really understand how do they translate business value into technology? How do we think about uh, the data services and products that we offer? And is it meeting those needs? And how do we think about helping them connect to the broader community to start sharing best practices. Oftentimes, you know, organizations get stuck within their own industry. Like what is, what are other retailers doing? What are other financial services companies doing? Uh, But there's actually synergies that you can build cross industry. And so one of my functions is to help bridge those gaps. And how do we think about everything from data capabilities, the technology, the platform, the people and skilling, and and sort of how do we create that, uh, you know, democratization, democratization and access to data and how our organizations thinking about that and then how do you build the culture around it so how do you think about processes and frameworks that empower your organization to be able to use data so that I've been enrolled now for about six months relocated from Redmond uh, out to London during a global pandemic so I have yet to actually meet anybody in person but I have been there for (laughs) about the last uh, six months and just really really enjoying connecting with many, many customers and, and really helping helping to try to solve that. What is a data strategy? How do we make some progress? How do we become more data-driven as a company and as an organization? And, and I'm curious, you know, I know you've been there kind of a short while and in this role a short while, but in as much as you get to talk and meet a lot of CDOs, uh, primarily on the island of uh, uh, Britain, but, um, you know, are there is there a pattern there in terms of, what they're thinking about is, are they consumed with thoughts of how do I solve for AI or how do I solve for BI or how do I get more value from my data or just how do I steward and govern my data? Is there a trend or is it all over the map? Yeah, I, it's super interesting to me. I was uh, really excited to come to the UK. I think 
because I was in a global role at Microsoft prior to this, I actually had the opportunity to sort of see, you know, what were different sort of countries and subsidiaries doing when it came to national data strategies. And very few actually have them, right? I came to the UK and one of the very first documents that they threw on my desk was, here's the United Kingdom national data strategy that just got released in December. We don't know how they're going to implement. We don't know how companies are going to align to this, but this is the direction that the United Kingdom would like to go in. So just, um, I, I think, an amazing sort of position that the UK is in compared to most other subsidiaries or regions that I see around the world in that they are trying to make data very central to their decision-making progress processes. It's not just limited to public sector. It's how do they actually expand that into the enterprise uh, and consumer space. The pandemic has actually opened up, I think, a real drive for them to think about how do we think about data sharing in a compliant, governed, regulated, controlled way? How do we think about you know um, enabling citizens and consumers to be able to uh, control and access their decision as you think about you know, the GDPR regulatory requirements, the Brexit that occurred at the same time at January 1st. So just lots of different sort of factors that have come into play here in the UK that I do think is really driving organizations to expedite their digital transformation based on data. Yeah. So I'm curious, you have, you know, you talk a a little bit about kind of trust and transparency as kind of one aim in terms of data, in terms of that kind of inter interrelationship between what companies collect and what they need to kind of provide back. Obviously, the UK subscribes to GDPR, even though they've kind of officially left Europe, or at least a, a form of that. Uh, similarly, they have certain data transfer kind of uh, requirements. I am curious about how that all kind of fits together, right? On the one hand, you have this overreaching request or desire to provide greater transparency as well as accountability, arguably. Uh, and then you have this kind of regime of compliance, partially European, partially uh, domestic, and how that kind of plays into it as well. Yeah, I don't think that's limited to the UK. I mean, if you look at you know, uh, California passing legislation, Delaware passing legislation. I don't think it's sort of limited here. I think that's what every organization is struggling with right now. How do you provide transparency and access to data uh, and at the same time ensure that you're being, uh, you know, com compliant to the regulatory requirements? I think it gets even more complex when we think about you know, health data, when we think about financial data, there's the regulated industries that have even more uh, sort of requirements around data access and data sharing uh, and, and their sort of data capabilities. I think from what I have seen just in the last six months, I think the pandemic has almost expedited sort of citizens not sort of free flowing of their data and information, but I think it has sort of opened people's eyes that there's benefits to allowing data sharing. So for example, Tesco has a great example. They're, uh, you know, a big retailer here in the, in the UK and throughout Europe. They actually leveraged national health data uh, to be able to identify high risk uh, vulnerable patients for COVID to be able to prioritize them for grocery delivery. And if you think about pre-pandemic, the uh, likelihood that citizens would release their healthcare data to a retailer was probably uh, highly unlikely, um, right? And so we, I think we've just seen organizations transform in ways beyond what they thought were possible two, three, four years ago. Uh, and so it'll be interesting, I think, as we look into the future post-pandemic, 
what becomes the new norm when it comes to balancing that data access, data sharing, uh, granting of permission to access my personal data uh, in a way that's still regulated uh, uh, and within the compliance controls. And and you like you mentioned sharing a couple of times now. Is that you know kind of one of the patterns you're seeing in terms of a desired state? Organizations would like to be able to share and move data between organizations, healthcare, maybe from the NHI uh, to Tesco in a kind of private protected way. Or, and again, I, I don't know the level of maturity in the UK. You know, it seems that with some organizations, they still don't really have a great picture of where their data is. So is it the UK is just kind of further along, they, they know that, and now it's really about how to make that data available to the right user. What's, what's your kind of sense of things? I think everybody's interested in it. I would say every entity or organization within the UK is at a different level of maturity as far as where they are on that journey. I think it would be remiss to say the entire UK is absolutely ready for complete data sharing. Uh, I think every organization, whether it's government and public sector or whether it's commercial, is trying to figure out how do I share data within my own organization? How do I share it externally with my partners, with my suppliers? How do I share it across public service entities? It was interesting. I, I met with one of the local uh, integrated care system providers, the CDO there, and she was talking about, you know, patients just come in and find it incredulous that one provider can't actually provide data to another provider uh, when they do a referral between doctors. And so, uh, right, I think there is becoming more and more of an expectation of being able to deliver against that. And does every organization have the capability to do it today? I don't think so. Do I think every organization is thinking through how do they do that? Absolutely. And, and in this kind of, from your perspective, this kind of transformation in terms of their thinking through this, how much of that is a technology issue? How much of that is a people or process issue? Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely the, the great question, right? Because every organization, I think, you know, five years ago would have said it's it's technology, right? Like what what's our technology decision to empower that? I think technology is only one piece of the puzzle. The harder part, to be honest, is that cultural shift. How do you get the organization uh, and the people and the employees and, and the consumers to all sort of be on board when it think when you think about data, data access? I would I would say internally, part of my role within the organization is shifting our own internal processes to be more data driven. And that's often the hardest part. We're a technology company. So the platform decisions made for me. And how do I now change the frameworks and the processes to get the organization to be data driven, to leverage data, to feed data back into the system, to iterate against it? That's often requires lots of governance, lots of uh, you know stakeholder management, lots of bringing the organization on that journey with you. And I think, you know, internally, I see it externally, I see it across almost every industry, that cultural part is is more difficult. And, and how does the kind of culture in combination with the technology kind of help deliver on something that I think is near and dear to you, which is around sustainability in, in an organization? How do you take this kind of data culture and data kind of capabilities and deliver on being a more kind of thoughtful 21st century company that is sustainable? Yeah, it's super interesting now that um, 
almost every organization, if you look at their financial statements, they're all making sustainability, right, sort of commitments to their shareholders, to their board of directors. So many of the conversations I have are like, oh my gosh, we now have to tackle that separately. And so uh, I think we will find that as more organizations, like you said, start to get their arms around the data that they actually have, how do they start to break down those silos? How do they put it into a platform and a solution that's controlled and regulated uh, and has compliance on top of it that allows them to share to the right people at the right time. I think ultimately we will see the data is being used to not only drive incremental business value either to the to their customers, to their citizens, to their employees, uh, to their operations and, and uh, operational efficiencies, creating new products, but it will also be used to drive their sustainability goals. So organizations that have now said we want to be carbon neutral or carbon negative or water neutral uh, are starting to figure out it, it's going to require access to their data and understanding of their data. It was interesting, one of our 2021 AI businesses of the year, Utakampu, stainless steel manufacturer based out of the Netherlands, they were leveraging data to be able to improve operational processes around the stainless steel manufacturing, which if you think about it, has been done the same way for hundreds of years. And so trying to think through how they could leverage the data to just improve the process. As a result, they actually ended up creating more efficient processes that allowed them to leave less of a carbon footprint through the process and actually consume less uh, thermal and heat energy to be able to complete the process. So, you know, if, you, if I think about many, many customers sort of tackling business problems, and as a result, they're actually able to derive some of their sustainability goals, uh, I think it'll be amazing to see what happens over the next, you know, five to 10 years in that space. And and do you see this as just kind of you know for the for the audience out there, especially those that are in the data arena, do you see this thought process around sustainability being more commonly intermixed with the role and function of a CDO that they need to be thinking about these uh, these items because their consumers are and ultimately companies need to kind of follow where their consumers are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to become more and more, uh, you know, sort of a primary business outcome that every organization is looking to drive in some capacity. Robin, thank you uh, for joining us. I think this has been a very elucidating and uh, I, I know that you're going to enjoy London once you get to go outside and actually visit people. You'll probably find that it rains as much as Seattle, but the buildings are very different. Uh, so, <laughs> Yeah, so thank you again. Uh, it's been great to have you as a guest. For those in, in the audience, I'd like to just remind all of you to please leave comments wherever you download your podcast. Big Ideas on the Go, and uh, please leave us a review, and please subscribe. So, Robin, thank you again. Thank you, Dimitri. 